prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is Tuesday, which means we have the Blueprint Power Hour scheduled for you, which is going to start in just a moment with my co-host, Coach Rob Regish. Uh, before we do that, I want to, of course, uh, pay homage to our title sponsor, and that is uh, none other than Legendary Foods. And if you want to be legendary, you've got to eat Legendary Foods. Everybody knows that. And, uh, of course, Legendary Foods has some of the most amazing nut butters and seasoned almonds in the world. And their nut butters have no added sugar, but yet they taste decadent. Uh, chocolate peanut butter, um, chocolate banana, uh, pecan pie, uh, blueberry cinnamon bun are up there. And then, of course, I just finished eating some of the seasoned nuts and was telling Rob how amazing they are. And the folks at Legendary feel your pain. And so um, if you go to eatlegendary.com and you use the code RELIEF15, you'll get an additional 15% off their prices for orders of $100 or more. This does not include the tasty pastry uh, because the tasty pastries don't stay on the shelf long enough to uh, justify discounting them. Uh, They're in great demand. Uh, But show them some love because they help keep this show afloat. Go to eatlegendary.com today to learn more. And of course, let me get rid of my image and uh, bring Coach Rob up here and get rid of that image. And of course, roll his music. Look at this. We're going to get it all done here. Here we go. Calling all Blueprint Army. Fall in line. It's time for the Blueprint Power Hour with Coach Rob Regish on the Superhuman Radio Network. How are you doing, Rob? I am doing well. Um, I would ask, though, for the audience to say some prayers, both for my wife, who continues to battle uh, her skin cancer, as well as my friend, Billy, who was hospitalized this morning. Um, we, we just need to send some good vibes out to both of them and hope for the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What's new with you, Rob? Um, you know, not a whole lot. Actually, there, there is <laughs> there is something new. Um, the ginger suggestion that you gave me for Jen's skin cancer. Uh, we should talk about that maybe a little bit later in the show. Just phenomenal stuff. And, well, I, I must admit, I vastly underestimated ginger. And I just figured, you know, it's a spice. It's so much more than that. It's crazy. Crazy. Now, are you seeing um, a reduction in the size and changes of the borders of the skin cancer lesions? Very first time I applied it, the next day, or it might have been two days that she took the bandage off, she herself remarked, my God, it, it looks a lot smaller and, you know, <laughs> better. And, and, of course, I don't look at it enough to, to be able to make that assertion, but she certainly did. So, you know, we're going to keep doing it. It is some really dynamite stuff. And like I said, 
I did not realize just how potent it is. And whether you're taking a whiff of it or putting just a little bit on your tongue, <laughs> uh, you'll quickly realize just how powerful it is. Just phenomenal stuff. You know, it's funny. Over the years, I've probably told a hundred different people who told me that they went to the doctor and had a biopsy done because they have a skin lesion. Right. And the doctor said it's, you know, it's uh, suspicious. Suspicious. They like, this is suspicious. <laughs> and uh, I've said to him, look, get yourself a really high-quality ginger extract that has a minimum of 5% ginger rolls. Right. Put a little distilled water, purified water, in a shot glass, put the powder in there, mix it up until it's like mud. Apply it to directly to the lesion in question or lesions in question. Cover them with bandages. Leave it there. Change it every couple days with a fresh one. Put the, It's called a poultice. When you take a, a root powder or even mud and you mix it uh, with a liquid to make a, a therapeutic mud, um, it's called a poultice. Poultices have been used in, in medicine for thousands of years. A mustard plaster, if any of you old enough to remember what that is, people are like, what the hell is that? When, when we were kids and we got sick and we had a chest cold or something where we were coughing and um, very congested, our mothers used to go to the, the pharmacy and get something called a mustard plaster. And basically, this was mustard seed. Uh, I think in, um, I think it was actually mustard seed and vinegar, believe it or not. And wow. it was on a sheet of paper. And they would peel it and stick it to your chest and then peel the paper off and it would be on your chest and it would burn. Oh <laughs> my God, it would yeah. burn just the way you think mustard should burn. But guess what? The next day work. you'd wake up and your cold would be gone. Yeah, it's it's too bad that we've kind of lost our way with that. You know, the, the moms knew, the grandmothers knew, and it's like every successive generation loses more and more touch with that. Well, and, but I gotta I gotta be honest. So the whole ginger thing, it's not like voodoo. There's actual science. If you if you have skin cancer or are worried about skin cancer, if you Google the following words. Six, the number six, gingerol, G-I-N-G-E-R-O-L, skin cancer, rats, N-I-H. You will find two or three different studies that show that they took rats, injected them with a drug that causes spontaneous development of skin cancer in the form of tumors. Yeah. And the control rats, they just put, I don't know what they put on their skin. Uh, but the, the, the test subjects, they actually did what I told you to do with Gen Skin. They made a poultice out of pure ginger extract yep. and just put it in contact with the tumors. And in six, it was either six days or six weeks. I can't remember now. The tumors were all gone. Yeah, I, I read those studies. And what I was reading, I couldn't believe because of the way the researchers were talking. They were talking in very definitive terms that researchers almost never do. You know how all those studies end, but more studies are needed. No. That's not what they're saying in these studies. They're saying this is a definitive treatment and a pretty damn potent one. 
um, for various cancers, and certainly skin cancer is, is at the top of that list. Now, ask yourself why a dermatologist doesn't know about that or, at, right. or tell their patients about it. Why don't they do it? You know, I don't know, and, and it's frustrating, right, because it's in the medical literature. Are they not reading it, or are they simply dismissing it? That's my, that would be my assumption. John, are you driving through Louisville, through Kentucky, man? Come on, brother. Hang a dog leg north and then go down to Georgia. Oh, wait. No, wait a minute. We have to social distance, John. You'll have to stay in the cab of your truck if you visit. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you know, it baffles me. Uh, because, and, I, and I know I'm kind of belaboring this, but there are so many people who develop skin cancer, and they end up going to horrible treatments to get rid of it. Because it's a very deadly form of, of cancer, and it could be treated. Obviously, if you have it in large areas, you can paint this stuff on. You know, just paint it on, leave it on your skin, paint a new stuff on every single day. Yeah, and they were very, very specific. They said that um, unlike those conventional treatments, ginger leaves the healthy cells alone and creates cell death amongst the cancerous cells. It reestablishes. So, so here's what happens. Uh, gingerol, six and eight gingerol, plus some of the showgalls, but the ones that have been studied the most is six and eight gingerol, reestablish the apoptotic landscape of cancer cells, meaning that the cancer cells are, are, are no longer able to live forever. They actually start to die because, because cancer cells actually become, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, cancer cells... Uh, actually become resistant to dying. That's, yeah. why, that's why they keep growing and growing and growing. Well, the ginger reestablishes the apoptotic landscape of the ginger cells, the, the, the cancer cells, and they die. And when they die, the body, through its metabolic process, discards the waste product, the dead skin or whatever, and little by little, the tumor gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and yeah. there isn't a single dermatologist that I know of Who's ever said to a patient who has worried about skin cancer or, you know, hey, before we, before we remove this and send it off for a biopsy and put you into that whole downward spiral of, oh, you've got skin cancer, let's start yeah. putting ginger extract on it. See if we can make it go away first. Yeah, well, especially now, you know, like the quandary my wife is in is they, they need to, to, you know, have surgery to tear it out, but... With the COVID epidemic, there's no end in sight on when that might happen. Right. So, what do you do? In, what do you do in the interim? Why not? What do you got to lose with with ginger? And I would take it orally too if I was her. Cap it for her, and I've let her take that. it orally as well. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 going to make sure we get plenty of it. Yeah, there. work from the inside out. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and get our first question up here. Jack Patterson, and I'm gonna. I may have to go to his actual question because it's a long one. So let me let me just give me one second here. So Jack Patterson says, uh, <clears throat> in terms of boosting immune function, what products would you put at the top of the list? If you had to buy one, what would it be? Vitamin C or better? Is that better than vitamin D? There are so many, and I'm not sure what forms to buy either is transdermal better than oral 
And should I get a B12 shot from my doctor? Any tips at all? Yeah, so a bunch of questions here. Um, First things first, though. Boosting immune function is, it's the same as, let's say, building muscle and stripping fat. If you do not have the fundamentals in order, like a good night's sleep, a good diet, and you're exercising, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to do you much good to take pills, powders, and potions to boost immune function. It's a little bit like um, uh, doing your laundry with no laundry detergent. It's it's not going to end well. So um, you really need those three fundamentals, the sleep, the good food, uh, and the exercise. Because I And I've listened to some of your other shows, Carl, on, on just how beneficial the right amount of exercise is, especially in fighting these viruses, right? Right. So, you don't want to. You don't want to start running marathons right now. Right. That'll just that'll exactly. just make you more prone to getting sick. Right. So, uh, I would highly recommend those shows. Obviously, the type of exercise you do, but also how much has has quite a bearing on it. With all of that said, I'll try to take his questions one by one. The compounds that I would put at the top of the list for immune function are vitamin D, um, vitamin C, and E. I like alpha lipoic acid because it works as both a fat and soluble, uh, fat and water soluble environment, regenerating vitamin C and E, uh, along with various mushroom st- strains. You've got shiitake, cordyceps, and reishi that I've all seen data that they boost the immune system. I think that, along with getting your glutathione levels topped off. Uh, is paramount and that's the latter is probably easiest to do with an N-acetylcysteine product. If I had to buy one, this is a tough one, but if I had to buy one, it would probably be vitamin D just given the, the amount of stuff that it's tied to. You know, we know, for example, magnesium is responsible for over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body. I'm pretty sure vitamin D is tied to even more than that. Um, now, having said that, I would also have vitamin C on hand. And probably if you can't get um, liposomal vitamin C, then powdered vitamin C for acute loading in the event of sickness. That would be a close second for me. Um So if you don't already have some on hand, I would pick some up. And and I say that because um, I just got done reviewing a two-hour presentation on vitamin C in the immune system. And it is just staggering the number, over 20 different ways it enhances your immune immunity. And, you know, it's funny. I I kind of saw this when when I had used powdered C before. Normally, if I'm not sick or not fighting something off, I could use up to 20 grams a day, right? Five gram amounts, you know, four times a day without having that putting me in the bathroom, which is when you assign the sign that you've reached saturation. However, um, when I'm fighting something off or really sick, I was doubling that and I was not in the bathroom. So, you know, it's clear to me that yes, when you're fighting something off, your body uses a ton more, 
ton more vitamin C. Um, now, when it comes to different forms of, of these vitamins, in terms of vitamin D, uh, I know it's not around anymore, but your product called Primal D was the best I had ever used. And that, as measured by my blood test, my, my levels went from 35 to 70. And I knew it even before then because I called you a couple days after and I said, hey, I got this like really like feel-good feel energy. Not like a stimulant energy, but, you know, just how you feel after you've gotten maybe a half hour, hour of sunshine. You feel better. And that's exactly how I felt. There are some people that they'll take D and they'll take a lot of it, um, but for some reason their vitamin D levels don't budge in that instance i would double check to make sure that your magnesium intake is adequate uh the people that i've spoken to that have been in that situation once they get you know once they're using magnesium citrate their d levels finally go up uh lastly i have yet to see anything dramatic in people getting vitamin b12 shots i've never had them myself my wife has um, many other people I know get them from their doctors. I, I, I can't say that I've seen anything dramatic. If you're a big, know. if you're a big consumer of alcohol, yeah. and on top of that, you don't eat a lot of meat. Yep. Then it may be worthwhile supplementing with B12. But you can go to Costco or Sam's Club and buy um, sublingual methyl B12, cheap, yep. cheap, cheap. And it comes in uh, five milligram tabs, 5,000 micrograms. You take one of those a day. You just let it dissolve under your tongue. You don't need to go for the injections. You really don't. Yeah, I've always... Oh, well, one other thing, I, especially I, because your doctor will inject you with an inferior form of B12 called cyanocobalamin, yeah. which is actually B12 attached to cyanide. Um, <laughs> but it is not bioavailable. You end up excreting most of it. And so it's it's not a good form. The methyl or the hydroxy forms of cobalamin are superior. And so whatever you take should be either methylcobalamin or hydroxycobalamin. Hydroxycobalamin is the way the liver stores it. When you eat liver, calves' liver, chicken livers, you're getting hydroxycobalamin from that. That's a superior form, and it's easily stored in the body. Okay, sorry about that. Great. No, it, I can't add anything to that, but... Uh... Those would be my picks, and and again, don't underestimate the good night's sleep, the training, and the food. So these are these are follow up comments and questions from the ginger. So so Tim Bruce wants to know what are the best brands. What did you end up buying, Rob? You bought a bulk ginger extract, right? I did uh, standardized for five percent ginger oils, and I have bought from this company before, so I knew at least some of their herbs were were good. Um, I could tell you from opening the bag and sniffing it that it was strong stuff. Uh, I'll see whether or not I can get the name of that place a little bit later. But, yeah, I mean, it was a bulk ginger extract standardized for 5% ginger oil. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you Google uh, bulk powder ginger extract 5% ginger oil, G-I-N-G-E-R-O-L, you'll find a bunch of companies that sell it, and you – the, the key is it's got to be fresh. When it's yep. fresh, it's oily. It's dark brown. When it's yeah. old, it gets a almost a uh, light khaki color, like army yeah. army clothes. 
but when it's that you dark brown, it. almost muddy color, and it's got a lot of of the volatile yeah. oils in it, it's very, very spicy, and it smells strong. You had a ginger product at one time, didn't you? I did, but it was a pain in the neck. You know, uh, when you don't have a lot of time, you have to choose your fights. And I did have a high-quality uh, ginger extract that I was buying from India that was actually um, higher than 5% ginger oil, but we just labeled it as 5% ginger oil. It was very, very good. Um, Jason Pointick uh, says, I got rid of my dog's cancer, not skin, but tumor. She lived for like four more years, originally got the advice from you uh, on Casual Friday. Yeah. Now, I've been talking about ginger forever. I did a show. My first show I did about ginger was in uh, either late 2005, early 2006. It cured oh, my brother-in-law's lymphoma. Wow. He had he had a two and a half centimeter mass in his stomach. That's one inch around. And they had already put the port in him to give him chemotherapy. Right. Uh, but before he did the chemo, I had him taking uh, three grams of pure ginger extract, the stuff I used to get. Yeah. I actually started getting it for him. That's how I found it. Wow. And he would take three grams on an empty stomach two to three times a day. And we cut his carbs back, too, at the same time. And when he went back in to have the last CT scan, because then he would have the surgery the next day, they couldn't yeah. find the mass any longer. Wow. How long had he been using it? He only used it for about, uh, I think it was uh, six or seven weeks. Wow. Yeah, because, because he, he had the port put in, and then he was due to go back in in six weeks to have the have the chemo. Jeez. And then uh, I'm going to answer these in, not in the order that they were asked, but they're all pertinent to what we're talking about. I keep threatening to come back with Primal D, and maybe I will. I keep <laughs> threatening to do it, but maybe I will. Um, here's an interesting question. Isn't olive oil dense with ALA? Alpha lipoic acid. I didn't know that. It is. It's one of the many different foods that alpha lipoic acid, I guess, is in. But it is in such small amounts that it is very, very. And, and again, this is almost like getting a vitamin C from an orange. You know, one might have uh, you know ten grams of C. The other one might have two. All of it. It depends where it's grown. You know what kind of fertilizer was used how, how long it you know when it was picked for optimal antioxidant action from alpha lipoic acid you need uh, the very lowest threshold needs to be 50 milligrams a day uh, fortunately most pills are 100 to 200 milligrams now and if you get the r isomer there there are two the r and the s if you get the r isomer i think it's half of what you need for the the uh, R and the S. But again, I, I've also read conflicting things about which isomer works. You know, I would just tell you, get it and uh, make sure it's more than 50 milligrams. Stephen Rushing says, what about a standard organic ginger powder? I use that for spice at home. I think that's what he's talking about, the stuff in the spice bottle. Sometimes I get it uh, on a regimen where I throw back a heaping teaspoon of that. But I never know what kind of ginger oil content I'm getting. I remember you saying it's nature's SARM. Now, can you expound on it? Yes, it's, it's a phytoandrogen. It has um, a, a weak affinity, but no less it stimulates the androgen receptor, and it and does have uh, androgenic effects. Um, you know, uh, is it going to be stronger than testosterone? Nah. But 
it is it is a phytoandrogen. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, every little bit helps. Yeah, and then Dave McCool says, "Good to see you guys teamed up again. It's been a while. Yeah, we're here every week, man. Come every Tuesday, the Blueprint Power Hour. Come and and visit us and ask questions. If you have any good questions, just throw them up there. As we move on to our next question, that is. So this one comes from uh, Barry. Is it Dorson? Yeah, Darso. I'm sorry. Uh, Barry Darso, he says, I'm on the heavier side and always trying to lose weight. It's tough, and I'm almost pure endomorph. What are the most important things I need to know? I've got 90 days or so before a big family reunion. I'd like to lose as much weight as possible while maintaining muscle. Yeah, you know, answering this question, it, it's uh, I need to keep the audience in mind, right? So for most SHR listeners, it is no real mystery what needs to be done for fat loss, right? At least it shouldn't be. Um, most people know what they need to do. It's just a matter of actually doing it, right, and not getting derailed uh, and or otherwise discouraged. The first thing that I would do, honestly, is take some measurements with a tape measure, uh, go around the chest or right around the nipples, the waist around the navel, uh, your arms flexed, your mid-thighs, as well as your calves. And that is going to be your primary measure of how your your diet and training are going. You can weigh yourself too, but I want you to get the idea of weight loss, because I noticed he used that in his question. Get weight loss out of your vocabulary and your mind, and instead replace it with fat loss. The next thing you need to do, I think, is understand that most of it, most of this is diet. Okay, some people approach the problem by eating fewer calories. Other people, uh, fewer carbs. Some people do both; they restrict both. Some people still believe low fat is the way to go. I've seen people on almost all protein diets. Whatever your strategy is, there is one. And, and only one that I can see common denominator uh, to success, and that is keeping insulin low and or steady. And so when, when you keep insulin low, it leads to much better and more efficient fat loss, uh, be that through a caloric deficit or, you know, a greater energy demand or both, right, which brings us um, to training. That energy demand should come, in my opinion, uh, not from cardio, cardiovascular, you know, work. Well, instead, it should come from weight training done very quickly. So, meaning something, you know, you've heard me refer to it before as lactic acid tolerance training. It is um, so, you know, picture five to six compound exercises. Back to back to back to back with no rest. You rifle through five of those, you rest a minute, and that's one round. And then you try to go for another and another. That type of training dramatically increases your natural growth hormone levels, which builds, you know, which builds muscle, which, which burns fat 24 seven, um, not just an hour or two for when you're doing cardio. You know, it's infinitely more efficient. Not only that, 
it improves your conditioning many fold. You know, you can go out and run long distance after several weeks of performing these lactic acid tolerance training workouts, and there'll be a breeze. So in terms of frequency, what I've seen work, it, it depends, right? I think at a minimum, two of those sessions a week will work. In all candor, I've seen people do better on three or four. Um, some of that goes back to somatype, right? If you're an ectomorph, two sessions are probably going to work well. If you're a pure endomorph, three or four are probably recommended. Um, so you perform five to six of those exercises, rest a minute. The ideal is to build up to five rounds, okay? But understand when you start, that's probably not going to be happening. You know, start with two, maybe three. That's a much more realistic goal. You, because the blood starts to become very acidic, uh, you can get to a point where you, you throw up. We do not want to get to that point. That's not productive. That's no badge of honor. It's just, you know, you need to, you need to stay within yourself, but also push yourself. It's a very fine line, right? But the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's not easy. As far as supplements go, there is nothing with a better cost to efficiency ratio that I have seen and safety than the good old ephedrine caffeine stack, <laughs> which I've gone over a million times. This is close as your local pharmacy. You know, you can add um, EGCG, epigallocatechin gallate from green tea extract. That has been shown to result in greater fat oxidation when added to that mix, as is um, forscolin, as has forscolin. You, in terms of the other supplements that are out there, you know, steer clear of things like CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, you know, green coffee bean, that was popular a while ago, hydroxycitric acid, that was another one. I don't know what the current, current darling is, but look, you know, they've all come and gone, and, and frankly, they haven't done much of anything. Uh, if they did, they'd still... You know, they'd stick around. The fact is, they don't. They all go in and out of fashion. You know, it, the bottom line is, if ephedra, the herb, was legal again and put back into fat burners, nobody would even bother with any of this other crap <laughs> right now, right? Um, and so the final word on this is similar to boosting immune function. You can't just take the fat burners. You know, they, yeah, they'll mobilize fat and it'll circulate around, but unless there's an energy demand or a caloric deficit, they're just going to get redeposited, <laughs> deposited, and, you know, into your fat tissue. So the training, the diet, uh, and the sleep are one, two, and three, and then the supplements. Very good. Next question comes from Kevin O'Malley. He says, uh, how do I increase my bench press? I'm stuck at 300 pounds. That's a really good place to be stuck at, by the way. I want to hit 315. I think it's a mental block. How do I get past my sticking point, uh, which his sticking point is coming off the chest? Okay, so uh, a couple things. For all of its reverence, I honestly feel bench presses uh, are a poor bargain, if you will, in terms of building the upper body. I'm not saying they don't work. They clearly do. Um, but if you're not competing – 
you'll say in powerlifting, I think the weighted dip or, or pullovers are a far superior movement insofar as building not just the chest, but the entire upper body. Um, those two movements, quite frankly, they work a lot more muscle than just uh, the bench press. Having said that, let's say you're competing uh, and, and the bench is a necessity or you otherwise just, just want to do it and you're young and you've still got good shoulders. Yeah, I was just going to say, and your shoulders don't hurt you, so you want them to hurt you. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I, I wish I could complain about my shoulders hurting me because all these uh, seasoned lifters always complain. I know. I'll just go hurt them bench pressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sad thing is by the by, by the early 30s, a lot of heavy benchers are out of the game. Um, but, but be that as it may, you want a bench. Um, a sticking point off the chest, that can be addressed in, in a couple of different ways. Some gyms have so-called camber, cambered bars or a bar that is uh, bent in the middle, kind of looks like a U, for lack of a, bit, a better term. And so what that means is when you lower it to the chest, your hands sink an inch or two farther, right, past where the bar otherwise would. Um, and so you're benching, I guess you call it, from from a deficit. I was going to say, it's kind of like it's kind of like a deficit de- is deadlift of deadlifting off of a plate or platform is to the deadlift. This is to the chest. Right, right. Um, and so that's one possible solution. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you that dumbbell benching is going to help here, especially out of the bottom. But I think they're wrong on several counts, one of which is, First off, when you're reusing dumbbells because of the greater stabilization and so forth, you are using less weight than you otherwise would to would be able to on a barbell. The other thing is people mistakenly think dumbbells re- result in a greater range of motion when, in fact, the opposite is actually true. Because if you think about it, you are lowering the dumbbells, right, till they touch your chest or very close to it. Because of the thickness of the dumbbells, it's actually a shorter range of motion versus greater. And the bigger the dumbbells you use, <laughs> the, the shorter, shorter range. range. Right. Um, I'm not saying they don't have merit, but it's not going to be in getting your bench, you know, from from here to here, from the bottom up. Um, it, now, if you do not have a camber bar, you can do what I did for years. You can approximate approximately recreate that that. Uh, dynamic, I'll call it, by performing wide grip benches. Now, when I say wide grip, for some reason, people want to throw their hands as far out as possible and use this ultra-wide grip. You are begging for for a, a pec delt tear somewhere in there by using such an extreme grip. All that, in fact, is necessary is to go out maybe one hand length past your normal grip. And so once you've established that, and that's okay, that's my wide grip, um, reps of five to six seem to work best for whatever reason. Uh, I think that goes a long way to making sure you don't make mistake number two, which is try doing heavy singles or doubles with wide grip bench press you know you instead you want to keep the percentages somewhere between 
uh, let's call it 75 and 80%, and let the rep range dictate your weight. Uh, also, you do not need to train to failure or otherwise do anything crazy, especially with that movement. Practically, I found that one to two work sets were all that were necessary. Uh, and within three weeks, anyway, I saw a major difference. My sticking point was no longer off the chest. It was either halfway up or locking out, which is another topic for another time. So, um, you know, even though the bottom is the further point away from lockout, always remember this. The primary mover in the bench press are the triceps. It's not the, the, the chest per se. It's not the shoulders. It is the triceps. So as such, if you're going to perform extra work, then extra tricep work is what's going to benefit you. And personally, for me, that was um, close grip, uh, three, four, or five board presses, right? And again, when I say close grip, I don't, you know, see some people, they're using a grip like this. No, it's pretty much where the knurling starts on the bar. At least that's where I used it. Um, and so, I mean, that, really, close grip should be just about shoulder width. Like, right, yeah. your hands should be right above your shoulders on the bar when your, hand, when right. your arms are extended. That's what I tell people. What I tell people is, you know, if if this is your normal grip on the bench press, and you want to work wide grip, one hand out. If this is your normal grip and you want to work close grip, one one hand, hand like within, that. right? Yeah. Um, and and you know that keeps things consistent, no matter what your body type is, because it's you um, that you're adjusting to. Now, alternatively, you can perform close grip work with doubled up mini bands which offer plenty of resistance for the triceps um, because, as you, as you can imagine, the resistance is greater, right? The, the higher you push, the further you push away. Um, and so you will be teaching your triceps to strain through that range of the movement. Bands are hard on the body, so don't use them, I would say, for any more than three weeks before giving yourself a break or switching to another method. So I hope that helps. Uh, I want to I want to put up another. Uh, so John Walsh says to try Mark Bell's slingshot. I like the product; it's a great product. But I don't know that it will make you stronger at the bottom of the bench press. That's the only question I have. So, are you familiar with the slingshot, Rob? I am. I've never used one. I got I've got a couple here actually. Uh, Mark sent me a couple not too long ago. Um, yeah. It's a, it's really a great you know. Um, it does what a shirt does for you without having a, 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 press, a bench press shirt on. And what I right. mean by that is it keeps your elbows in and it protects your shoulders. That's what it does. The problem yeah. that I have with it is if you're trying to get stronger at the bottom of the bench press, this is actually doing some of the work. This is like magic fingers. We all know what magic fingers are, right? So yeah. when that band hits your chest, when you come down with it, that band hits your chest, it is now starting to take some of the load off of your muscles. Now, even though the load may be minuscule, it may only be pounds, it's still taking some of the workload off of you. And so when you push out, it's helping you push out until it's, get, until it's not 
really uh, wrapped around your chest anymore, and now you're taking it from there. If you're trying to get stronger down here, I think it would pay to lighten up and focus on the bottom half of the movement from your chest up maybe a couple inches, like the opposite of board pressing. So board pressing helps you get stronger at the top end by gradually making you go deeper and deeper and deeper. The, the, I would go lighter, and I would start at my chest, and I would just push off a couple inches, and I would just get that strength going with very, very light weight and then slowly graduate the weight uh, from the bottom up, the way you do it from the top down with the board pressing, and then maybe start to try a full press and see if you can get down further. And But it all comes down here. The important thing about down here that people have a hard time doing is keeping your elbows in. You are so much stronger when your elbows in. When you're like this, you're not strong because now it's just your shoulders that are holding you together, and that's it. When you're like this, it's your lats and your shoulders that are holding you together. And so that's the magic, and that's one of the things that the slingshot does for you. It literally pulls your arms in like this. When it hits your chest, it goes whoop. Yes, yes. But I yeah. like the product. Good it's good. fantastic. And it's really, I'll tell you who it's really good for. If you're not looking to win a bench press contest, but you do have problem shoulders from years of benching, yeah, th- there's nothing better than the slingshot to get you through a workout. I mean, you can get a really good workout and, and, and save yourself from hitting those danger points. It's a brilliant yep. product. Brilliant. It's so yep. simple. He's made millions of dollars with it. It's so simple. It's just brilliant. <laughs> really. Really. Yeah. Uh, let's see where we are. So that's um, – yep, that was Kevin, right? Yeah. Okay, so we have uh, – we're going to take a quick commercial break is what we're going to do now. Okay. And then when we come back, we have plenty more questions. And, of course, those of you in the audience that are watching live, feel free to ask your questions. We shall return. Stay tuned. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman and radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. Crank your muscle gains to new heights by transforming every gram of protein you eat into 3 grams with Masszymes. With 100,000 HUTs of protease per capsule, Masszymes increases your absorption of key amino acids, resulting in stronger, healthier digestion of proteins and certain vitamins that not only multiplies the impact of the protein you eat, but can also repair a damaged intestinal wall. Go to Masszymes Flash, SHR for 10% off. That's M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S dot com slash SHR. 
Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Can-See Eye Drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Can-See and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-See Eye Drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Can-See Eye Drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than Can-See Eye Drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. You've heard me talk about the chill pill on the show and how effective it is at helping people who suffer from social anxiety or sometimes when you just want to take the edge off uh, to a long, stressful day. Well, listen to this story from Dylan Goutreau. Definitely takes anxiety away, which I have a long history of. Having started out at two milligrams a day of Xanax, that was at eight years old, and so I stopped using benzos three years ago. Extremely difficult. Yeah, so I spent about three years trying to find anything and everything I could that would be healthy for me um, to help with anxiety. Because I'm talking, you know, full, full out panic attack. The the chill pill was the first thing that I found that actually, in the middle of a panic attack, I can take, and it definitely uh, subsides. Go to drseeds.com. That's D. R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your first bottle of the chill pill. Check it out. I promise this is one supplement that delivers. This is the Superhuman Channel. Evolution just got kicked up a notch. I want to tell people about something that I've discovered. So, aren't those beautiful fillets? Oh my God, they were so good! And you know where I got them? I got them from Piedmontese.com. They are a new sponsor, and I am so excited that they're a sponsor. And I'll tell you why. And I'm telling you every shred of confidence to what I'm saying right now. This is the best beef you will ever taste in your life, Garen Effing Teed. <laughs> Now, why do I say that, you may ask? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Piedmontese beef is that amazing beef that we've all heard about. So we've all talked about myostatin null bulls. Remember that? Yeah. What's yeah. The, so the Piedmontese breed is an Italian breed of cattle known as double muscle cows and bulls why because they're myostatin null cows and bulls and we've seen pictures of these animals they they look like bodybuilder cows that's what they look like they have rippling muscle they're huge they're muscle on muscle they call them double muscle for a reason so 
from a, an aesthetic standpoint, they're fascinating. Like, oh my God, you know, oh, the double muscle animals, they get so muscular. But we also know a couple other things about animals that have the myostatin null gene type. Number one, they don't produce a lot of collagen. In fact, these animals are known, like there, there's actually myostatin null greyhounds, but they can't race because they always tear muscles off the bones. And even the research done by Sejan Lee's group on the folostatin and myostatin rodents, they discovered that the tendons of these rodents are very weak. Now, why does that mean anything? We're talking about eating beef, Carl. Well, what makes meat tough, Rob? Do you know what makes meat tough? No. The, the infiltration of collagen into muscle. The muscles that cows use to stand, the shoulder muscles, tend to be the toughest cuts of beef for a reason. Because holding that animal up year in and year out makes the muscle gain more collagen in the tissue. And this tends to be the cheapest cuts of meat. That's why they turn them into cube steaks. They run them through the machine to cube them so that they're tenderized. Right. Well, this cow doesn't have a lot of collagen in its muscles. So every single thing that comes from this cow, even the typically tough stuff from the shoulders, is super tender. But it gets better than that. You won't have to put steak sauce on this, this beef. You won't have to put any. A little salt is all you need. So you, what makes Ruth Chris famous not only do they cook their steaks at a high temperature, but they slather it with butter right before they send it out to you. Why? Because butter is basically fat from cows. And butter makes beef taste better. This beef tastes like it's already got butter in it. It's got a buttery, rich taste. I've had the chopped meat. I've had the New York strip steaks. I've had the... Uh, the, the uh, uh, not the prime, but the, uh, what's the other one? The ribeye. I've had the ribeye. Now these two, I had these two delicious fillets the other night. This is the best beef you'll ever taste. And I swear to you, it's not a sales pitch. If I'm wrong, send me your bill and I'll pay for what you ordered. But then send me the meat too so I can eat it. <laughs> You're making me hungry. Dude, I'm <laughs> telling you, these guys, Ben and Joe over at Piedmontese.com, have done something amazing for those of us who love beef. They have brought this this breed to the United States, and they're breeding them right here in the United States now. And if you eat this beef, you will never settle for beef over at Trader Joe's or your local. In fact, you won't even settle for beef from places that ship it to you because of the convenience. This is the best beef you've ever, you, you'll ever eat. Go to Piedmontese.com. Use the code SHR and get two 10-ounce New York strips with any purchase of $50 or more. It's easy to spend $50. It's not a lot of money. These guys are real decent guys. They could have been, you know, oh, you got to spend $500 to get. No. You spend $50 or more, you get two delicious New York strips, 10 ounces each. And I promise you, you will never, ever buy beef anywhere else. I kid you not. So now now prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. So there you go. Check it out. Okay, so the next question comes from Rob Watson. I know what Rob wants for dinner now. <laughs> you better he believe wants, it. He wants a Piedmontese steak. <laughs> Matt Rinaldi says, 
Do you have any insights into antioxidant formulas? I'm looking for a good all-in-one, but haven't found one uh, that I'm happy with yet. Also, what's your take on using them? Do you really think they work, or am I better off just eating a balanced diet like my doctor tells me to? Yeah, you know, this is a timely topic, right? Because not that long ago, we had some study come out that antioxidants uh, actually worked against training adaptations. If I'm not mistaken, that was um, for cardio conditioning. But but be that as it may, right, the baby kind of got thrown out with the bathwater. And I think that's really, really unfortunate uh, because personally, I believe a lot in antioxidants and I've used a lot of them. Uh, but one thing I wanted to address up front was this notion uh, of the so-called balanced diet right, that, that you hear from many doctors and nutritionists and authorities, you can file it up there, right, with uh, three square meals a day. I've been hearing about this stuff since grade school. <laughs> and I've been asking pretty much anyone that'll entertain the question, all these authorities, what exactly do you mean when you say, you know, a balanced diet, three square meals a day, and the best answer that anyone has ever come up with is they pointed to the food pyramid chart, <laughs> right? And, you know, the whole six to 11 servings of bread and cereals a day, that one. I don't know if that's the current thinking, but um, suffice it to say, I never got a decent answer. Now they have the and, my plate, I think it's called. It's a little different, you know, but it's still, yeah. it's still very low on protein. They always tell you like the smallest amount that you eat is of the protein. Right. And, and the fact of the matter is this, right? The right diet for you mm -hmm. depends. It depends on a lot of things. And, and I'll give you just one very pertinent example. I can eat mixed nuts till the cows come home. I have a friend who is deathly allergic to them. Matter of fact, I watched this happen in high school. I think it was hazelnut that was in some of these mixed nuts. He took a handful and his air passages closed up. It was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Had to call the ambulance. The paramedics came in. Had, they cleared his airway somehow. I don't they know. Gave, they gave him an, epi, uh, an uh, epinephrine shot. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so right, suffice it to say, what's one person's ideal is another person's poison. So when it comes to antioxidant int intake, though, I do not think that you can just get everything that you need from food, from the so-called, you know, three square meals a day balanced diet. And here's why. Uh, again, one example. 60 milligrams of vitamin C might prevent scurvy. You need gram amounts in order for it to act in, as an antioxidant in most cases. And to do that, to get that just from your diet, you would need to eat crate loads of oranges, right? And even if that was practical, which it's not, I gave you the example earlier about, you know, the vitamin C in this orange is going to be a lot different than this one based on where it was grown and how, you know, when it was picked and that stuff. The situation is similar for alpha lipoic acid. We discussed that. You know, I, as you look at natural sources, you see organ meats like liver and kidneys. You see broccoli, spinach, potatoes. But honestly, how are you going to get a consistent amount? 
you know, so good luck. I just don't think it's, it's practical. Long story short, um, I do think you need to supplement some of these antioxidants for them to work effectively. I have yet to find an all-in-one formula that I'm happy with, uh, although there are a couple that are close. And, and from a practical perspective, right, you can't afford all of them. I mean, the, the, there's just, there are so many. And they're key, they keep identifying new substances in, in fruits and vegetables and other places. Uh, and, you know, you can go broke real fast. So uh, to put a stick in the mud, this is what I take. It might not be right for you, but this is what I do. Every single day, three grams of vitamin C. 800 IU of natural vitamin E mixed tocosiferols and tocotrienols. The natural form being D-alpha tocosiferol. The synthetic being DL. Be very careful when you go to buy it because it's easy to miss. I also, along with that, Take 200 milligrams of uh, alpha lipoic acid, the R isomer. 15 milligrams of astaxanthin, I get that in tranquilogen. Uh, of course, the curcumin that's also in there uh, is chock full of antioxidants. And 1,500 milligrams a day, sometimes 2,000, of N-acetylcysteine. Um, and that, again, to boost your, your body's most prolific endogenous antioxidant, that being glutathione, right? Uh, let's see, C and E. Those are the ones that most people are familiar with. They are well-established, I think, in the literature. Uh, I think they work better together than either one does alone. And our alpha-lipoic acid, again, is complementary especially given the fact that it's both fat and water soluble. It's one of the very few that that's the case. Astaxanthin is, is one of the newer kids on the block. Uh, it is many times, according to the studies, many times more powerful than vitamin C and E. Uh, and furthermore, provides excellent protection, antioxidant protection anyway, in the skin and eyes from UV radiation. Not as good as camthazanthin for that purpose, although I think it's likely a better overall antioxidant um, than camthazanthin if you're, if you're just looking, you know, throughout the body. I would be remiss not to mention two other things. One, people know right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm the ectosterone guy. And ECD does, in fact, has, have very profound antioxidant effects, in addition to the other stuff that we discuss on here, which is everything from um, lowering your blood sugar to, you know, building muscle at an accelerated rate. And also ginger. I, frankly, I, was, I dismissed this stuff. That was a huge mistake. If you look up what is actually in ginger, I think it's going to blow your mind. And in fact, if you look at the literature, a gram a day of it pretty much provides protection against everything that you can imagine. So uh, that's what I do, Matt. And it served me well for the better part of the last, let's say, 15 years. Uh, because I, when I, once I turned 35, I really ratcheted up my... my um, research into antioxidants and started using different ones and no, you know, noting the, the different benefits and so forth. Uh, 
I first, and this is one last point. When I was 25 years old, I used an antioxidant formula by AST Research. The name of it was Viosilate. And it was a powder. And it was just, you know, a lot of very strong, high-dose antioxidants. And I'll tell you, I took that immediately after training, and I saw a big difference in how I recovered. So we didn't have any of the data then on whether it was good or bad or what it was going to do. But I very consistently noticed that it made a difference insofar as my recovery. Uh, and that kind of got the ball rolling. You know, where it goes from here, you can go in a million different directions. But, you know, those are a half a dozen or so that I think a lot of and that I personally use. You know, the the whole antioxidant um, subject to me is a little baffling, and I'll tell you why. First of all, we know that too much of a good thing is no good. Antioxidants uh, in high levels can actually help cancers grow. If it doesn't cause cancer. But cancer leverages everything that's good for healthy cells. And having high levels of antioxidants, actually. Like ROS, reactive, reactive oxygen species, which is a nasty uh, oxidant, uh, pro-oxidant. It's a form of oxidative stress. Uh, it actually kills tumor cells. So it's um, the, the whole antioxidant thing is interesting to me. I take vitamin C. I do take R alpha lipoic acid. Um, I do take glutathione, and I also take N acetylcysteine, which also helps to produce more glutathione. But the the, the thing I want to say about antioxidants is the reality is that nobody knows if they're really working for them. Everything is subjective. You know, we think it's working. Oh, I think it's working. I think I feel better. I think, you know. Um, I, I have not done the deep dive into looking at research about taking this much of an antioxidant and what it does inside your body. If you ask people like Aubrey de Grey, he'll tell you that it's critical uh, because uh, the mitochondrial theory of aging is that the mitochondria produces oxidative stress. And he's not even, he's against exercise. He says, oh, if you exercise, all you're doing is spinning off more uh, oxidative stress, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, uh, you know, it, it, it's an interesting discussion. It's not one that I've spent much time on. I do take antioxidants as a precaution, but I just, I, it's one of those things that is just not that sexy to me. I don't know why. Why is the primary antioxidant... In cacao, what is the primary antioxidant in cocoa? Cacao, I get a few teaspoons a day usually. It's got a lot of things. It doesn't. It, it has theanine in it. It's, uh, it's like coffee. Yeah, the polyphenols. I think there are a lot of things, but I think the polyphenols uh, are the big ones. Yeah, are the big ones. And and he's absolutely right. That's another great, you know, dark dark chocolate um, in cocoa. It, you know, that that's another great antioxidant. But, you know, where do you start and where do you end? I don't know. You know, you, you know, I am completely 100%. I haven't talked about it because I don't want people to be like, oh, yeah, Carl, give it two more months. But I am completely caffeine-free now for going on two months. And when I say completely, I mean not even chocolate. Wow. I've given up. And I, I, I finally feel great. My brain is working. There was a period of time where I couldn't think straight. Like on the show, yeah. I'd forget what I was talking about. And I'm, it's not totally 100% yet. I just ordered some 1PLSD. 
I'm going to start microdosing again. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I am completely 100% caffeine free, and I can't. I, I'm not eating chocolate anymore because there are trace amounts of caffeine, and I'm not even drinking tea. I mean, I'm wow. 100% caffeine free. If a supplement yeah. has like coffee bean extract in it, not for me. I'm not using it. Wow, good for you. Yeah, and I and I feel fine. I really do. Um, but it's not for everybody. I know a lot of people depend on caffeine. Uh, the next question comes from. Let's see here. Patrick O'Connor. He says, uh, "Did you hear F- Eric Fiorello? Oh, he heard er- Eric Fiorello died. Uh, weren't you on his show years ago? Why didn't you stop? Why did you stop doing it? Don't you know? Do you know what he died from? What killed him?" Yeah, you know, uh, it's kind of, it's sad, but for those unfamiliar, Eric ran a podcast that was similar to SHR. No, it, uh, it, it was, it was narrower in scope. Okay. So, so it was really, when he got down to it, it was powerlifting, it was stone lifts, it was strongman. Type yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And, and, and it was called motivation and muscle or muscle motivation or something like that. Right. Right. And so, um, so per his obituary, it sounds like he died on the 9th or the 10th uh, from what was reported to be a massive stroke. And whatever it, whatever it was, it must have been sudden because I went back and listened. And, you know, he was podcasting up until the day or two before. Um, and then it went on to say that uh, I think he had it the 9th. He had the stroke the 9th and he died the next morning in an end of care or end of life care facility. Uh, so it sounds like he just he never recovered. Yeah. The the obit further said he was 61 at the time of his passing, um, which I thought might have been a misprint because he had told me, you know, and several others, he, he was considerably younger. Frankly, I don't know what to believe at this point. But, um, yeah, I was a frequent guest on his show years ago. Unfortunately, because of a misunderstanding, I was never never on again. Um, and that seems to be the situation with a lot of people. He had a lot of misunderstandings. I guess people are just calling them misunderstandings. Yeah, and and you know, you look but you look back and you know, you think, God, that was stupid. You know, we should we should have gotten past that. But but be that as it may, right? Eric really did love all things strength. His guest list in that arena was pretty darn impressive too. He had many of the greats on. And you can really tell he, he loved what he did. Um, I remember talking to him uh, off air many times. Apparently, he worked in IT services for most of his adult life. But but he started this podcast around seven years ago. Um, I did read something really cool about the way he started with weights. And so he had a younger brother, Jimmy, mm-hmm. who unfortunately was struck down at an early age with muscular dystrophy. And um, despite his parents' assurances that, that he wouldn't, quote, unquote, catch it, Eric was terrified that, you know, he would be next and that his muscles would wither away to the point of his brothers, you know, who, who was wheelchair bound uh, at the time of his death. I forget his exact age, but it, it wasn't very old, you know, maybe, maybe even before he was a teenager. Um, by his own account, Eric was reading comic books one day. And he came across the Incredible Hulk, and he resolved to get as big and strong <laughs> as the Hulk to be impervious 
to muscular dystrophy and whatever else came along. I would tell you that in a sense, he succeeded and, and he probably did inspire many other people to take their strength training to the next level. Uh, in his, in his later years, he was, he was very focused on, um, Money. He was he was very influenced by the book Think and Grow Rich, which is not a, a bad book. It's actually an excellent book. Um, but it was to by the Napoleon he, Hill. Yeah, and, we've all, everybody and, uh, read it at least once. <laughs> yeah, you know, to to each his own. But I guess I I always looked at that. It was kind of odd because if you think about it, the things he valued the most were the things that I. And we value a lot too, which right strength and health. Mm-hmm. Even if you had a million dollars, you can't buy those. Right. There's no gym in the world you can walk into and say, Hey, I want to be a big, strong, jacked up dude that's healthy. You know, that's you you don't do that with money. One million, ten million, ten billion, it doesn't happen. Right. You know, it, it does happen through hard work, discipline, and sacrifice. And I would tell you to to sum that up then. Uh, he had those in spades. That was pretty clear. So I hope wherever he is now, he's happy. And and you can say a lot of things about the man, uh, but I like to remember him like this. He may not have been a millionaire, but he made his mark on the world, I think, in the way he wanted to. And I do think he left a, a better place, a better place. Did so, he have a, like a co-host? Is there anybody going to carry on with the podcast? No, he he was pretty much from what I've seen a one man show. He had tons of guests. Like who? They, throw some names because maybe people will go there and listen to some of his old shows. Uh, well, I think Wade was on more uh-huh. than once. Um, I think Brooks um, was on. Brooks, uh, some of the Highland Strength Games guys that their mind escapes me. Right, I don't, right, I don't, right. I don't follow it. But right. um, he had old and young. You know, strongman, um, stone lifting. He actually made a trip, if I'm not mistaken, to Iceland to lift the Husafelt stone. Yeah. Um, which is no small accomplishment. I don't know if he actually got to do it or not, um, but he was there, you know, and, and, and that's rarefied air. If you're going up there to lift that thing or even think you can lift it, you know, you've pretty much arrived in the strength world. Right. right. You know, it's no, no small feat. So yeah. I I just hope he rests in peace. And his his contribution was made, and it was made well while he was here. There you go. Yeah, kind of sad. Yeah. He was on my show once, and I was on his show. And yeah. He, even Elisa was on his show. He had Elisa on the show. He did. They did yeah, a podcast for women training. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Very sad. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we have the uh, blueprint tip of the day. Can you give us a peek under the tent? What's the blueprint tip of the day about today? Yeah, I'll just give you the title. It is uh, tip of the day is the last days of laxogen. Oh, okay. I think we're we're I seeing we're it. Out. Hey, we're going to see it. Okay, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back with more of Superhuman Radio. Let me see. I can't get my wake up computer. Wake up. We'll be right back. How often do you sit with your laptop right on your lap? 
How much time do you spend on your cell phone? Are you in a technology-packed office Monday through Friday? Are you worried about this type of radiation? Now there's something you can do about it. GetLambs.com. This radiation has been linked to infertility in men, glandular tumors, gut microbiome dysbiosis, and impaired sleep quality. Now you can provide 360-degree protection to at-risk parts of your body with radiation-proof apparel from GetLambs.com. Comfortable, breathable, and 99% effective. Go to GetLambs.com and use coupon code SHR for 20% off your order of $100 or more. That's GetLambs.com, G-E-T-L-A-M-B-S.com, and code SHR. Redcon One is one of the fastest-growing supplement companies in the world today. That's because they produce supplements that deliver on their promises. From their flagship pre-workout Total War to their innovative whole food MREs and bars, now you can get the deepest discount ever offered to any audience anywhere. Use code SHR and get 25% off all Redcon One products today. SHR and 25% off. Go to redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carb, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. Are you still on the fence about Body Protection Complex BPC Oral from DrSeeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, Jim, in Columbus, Ohio. I had been having some nagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so just older tendon kind of issues. For us powerlifters, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through. And I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all. Go to drseeds.com, D-R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today. You've heard about blood flow restriction training since 2006 on SHR, but you're still on the fence. Well, here's the push. BFR is more effective at building muscle than anabolic steroids. That's right. I went there, but it's because it's the truth. My experience with the Be Strong blood flow restriction system is proof to me. And now I'm asking myself why I waited so long. You'll see undeniable changes in the targeted muscles in days and weeks like nothing you've ever tried before. I will never stop using them. Give Be Strong a try. Go to bstrong.training forward slash super hyphen human and use code SHR for 10% off. 7,451. That's how many people kick the bucket, buy the farm, or cash in their chips every day in the United States. Yep, that means five people are going to meet their maker during this commercial. And no, our commercials are not the cause. Half of those who punch the clock for the final time will do so without life insurance. Call Big Lou at Term Provider before you are number 7452. If you're a 50-year-old male, a tad porky with a touch of diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about 200 bucks a month. With more verified five-star reviews than any other Lou on the radio, Big Lou has saved thousands of people thousands on their term insurance premiums. 
Stop procrastinating and call Big Lou today at 800-560-0301. 800-560-0301. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He doesn't want to be number 7,452. Call 800-560-0301 or BigLou.com. This is the Superhuman Channel, where we use oxygen for the power of good. Welcome back. So the blueprint tip of the day. Here we go. The tip of the day again is uh, last days of laxogenin. I think uh, we are in them. And I have to give credit to you, Carl, uh, for bringing this to my attention. It's been years since I finished right my laxogenin product. Uh, and I missed this piece of valuable info. So, so here's what's happening and how you might be affected if you use it. So just a few days ago, the 15th to be exact, there was a new study published uh, in the Journal of the American Medical Association regarding laxogenin products and what is really in them. So here's some background. In October of last year, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, they, the good old FDA, placed um, 5-alpha-hydroxylaxogenin, which is has a ton of different synonyms, on the something called the Dietary Supplement Ingredient Advisory List, which <laughs> supposedly alerts the public that it does not appear to be a lawful supplemental ingredient. Do you know, just, 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 just without segueing, you know what else they're yeah. trying to do that to right now? <laughs> stevia. Oh, jeez. They're trying to yeah, say that stevia has never been approved to be. It's not generally regarded as safe, and it's never been approved as a sweetener, and people using it right now in their products are breaking the law. <laughs> yeah, we can't have a... We can't have a non-toxic natural sweetener on the Yeah, market. but you know what? You know what's really funny about the FDA? A million people a year die in the United States due to tobacco use, but that's cool. Yeah, there's nothing But don't take stevia. <laughs> God. Uh, so, um, so what they did was they decided to test a few products that were said to contain laxogenin. And this, I want you to take note of this. This is part of the established FDA modus operandi that is designed to establish an ingredient as quote-unquote dangerous or otherwise something fishy going on with it to ultimately ban it. So they looked at a total of six supplements uh, categorized in the National Institute of Health database as containing laxogenin. Four of those six were available for purchase. Uh, one was out of stock, one was discontinued. Why they limited their study to four, I don't know, because there are a lot more than four products with laxogenin in them that are on the market. And if you don't believe it, just Google it. So in total, uh, there were 16 different ingredients that were declared on the four product labels. So, you know, issue number one in my mind is why are they testing products with things with more than laxogenin in them. But be that as it may, compared to their actual chemical contents, no product was accurately labeled. Of the 16 ingredients, six 
were not detected in the supplements. Only four of 14 ingredients with quantities provided on the label were present in their specified amounts. Quantities detected range from uh, less than 5% to 109%, which was listed on the label. Two products contained an ingredient that were not declared on the label, and only one product contained the 5-alpha-hydroxylexogenin. Um, so a <laughs> couple of things. First, uh, it's quite curious that the FDA has decided to go after laxogenin. And I'd like to know, I guess, why they think it's a not or not rather a lawful dietary ingredient or supplement. Because generally speaking, if, if it occurs in nature and it's been for sale on the market, right, since the mid to late 90s, it should be DSHEA compliant. And laxogenin fits that criteria because it is found naturally occurring in two different plants, Smilax seaboldi and Tribulus terrestris. It was also first for sale in this country as a product named Mezoblin by Amino Discounters in 1992. Amino Discounters was a, uh, it was a company run by the eccentric chemist Mark Thierman, uh, who has since passed, so God rest his soul. That's another story for another time. But nevertheless, um, they've got it. They've got laxogen in, in their sites. So they set out to establish that products that are said to contain it don't. It would be even better if they found other, quote-unquote, dangerous and unapproved compounds not declared on the label. And, of course, that's exactly what they found. It is also quite convenient that they chose to only test four products when, like I said before, you can easily find a dozen or more uh, for sale here just in the United States. So, But back to the testing for a minute. Their finding range, range from no laxogen at all uh, to those containing a lot of it, or, or excuse me, a lot of diocygen in which is what you would expect from a company that doesn't know how to synthesize laxogenin from diocygenin. Diocygenin, by the way, is used as starter material for a lot of different steroids, including testosterone. Uh, so you may be wondering why do these companies synthesize it versus extract it from Smilax or Tribulus? Well, the answer is it is prohibitively expensive to do the latter. And maybe, maybe that's why the FDA is after it, I'm guessing. Maybe because these companies are synthesizing it um, versus extract it. And, but, but again, I, you know, I don't know. Let me be very clear about a few things. Uh, these companies, products that they tested with no laxogen in them or, or very little or other ingredients, they're giving laxogen a bad name. They're giving the FDA more ammunition to ban it and ultimately make it almost impossible for people like me to bring you true-to-label products that actually work. But most people, unfortunately, buy on price, so they'll fill these companies' coffers with money, you know, while, while my products and other high-quality companies' products 
remain comparatively unknown, right? Collecting dust on the shelves. Am I venting here? You betcha. Because it's all but impossible to make money in this business, okay, when you've got these other companies that are flooding the market with products that don't contain what their label claims, or in some cases, nothing at all. What do you think the cost of raw ingredients is when you put a product out with nothing at all in it? Mm-hmm. It's 100% profit. So, you know, it, it drives me nuts. These idiots have gone as far as to steal my postings off of public forums and or, in the case of one company, use my uh, ad copy word for word. So... So let's get back on point here. It'll be interesting to see if this JAMA study influences companies that are selling exogenin, and if not, whether the FDA will take a more heavy hand to ban it. Um, as I said before, you know, you can search for yourself. There's plenty of these products out there, most of which I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Why? Because half these companies are doing more than half likely are doing what you see here. There's nothing in it. Um, and it, it's crap, you know, that, you know, and they don't even know how to synthesize it. You wind up when, when you find diocygenin, it means they started with diocygenin and either tried to do it and failed miserably or didn't even try at all, you know, and then you wind up, with a product like that, you wonder why, hey, this ectosterone analog stuff, why does it suck? You know, whatever the case, here's the real 411 on laxogenin. Real laxogenin is about as toxic as lemonade. I have used up to 250 milligrams a day with no side effects. The chemist that synthesized laxogenin first in this country and probably had the most successful product State has stated that he has used grams of it with no adverse side Who effects. is it? Who first synthesized it? Mark Thierman. Okay. Number two, it is nothing like Anavar. And so if you read something like that in the ads, understand that is it's BS and run. Don't I don't know. I, comparing, comparing a product to Anavar is like who – only people who take Anavar – are women generally, as a rule, because it's not androgenic at all, but it pr- provides right. very, very, very small gains. Like, why compare it to Anavar? Like, you're basically saying, hey, this is just as weak as Anavar, and not just <laughs> as strong as Anavar. Yeah, but because it's a steroid, most people think, oh, wow, they get, you know, they get all excited. It works. Yeah, like I love steroid. it when they, on the board, they call it VAR, like it's cool. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. using VAR. It's like, are you kidding me? Right, man, it, it, you know, it, le- level up. Try some test. <laughs> yeah, it, it's nothing like Anavar. It is quite effective, however, as an anti-inflammatory slash recovery type agent. Um, and that was first found in 1976 by Doctor Siroff in Russia. Actually, found it quite effective for that purpose at a mere 25 milligrams a day. The former owner of Beyond a Century, Warren, uh, who, God rest his soul, he's passed too, he told me in conversation once that he sold um, caseloads 
of laxogen into both lupus and chronic fatigue patients. Really? Yeah, which gave them great relief. And so, so that didn't surprise me, nor does the fact that most of these products have just diostogen in them. As a matter of fact, 15 years ago, I sent Pat Arnold three, four, maybe more laxogen products and had him test them, and he found the same thing. He said, this is some of the shoddiest work I've ever seen. There's no laxogen in here. It's just diosogen. So, you know, to a certain extent, none of this surprised me. Here's the bottom line. If you are interested in genuine laxogenin, it's in Progenadrex, which is sold over at PredatorNutrition.com. I took every scrap of info that I knew about that compound, which is 25 years worth, and I tweaked it for use in a, in a lean bulking type formula. And I'm happy to say for the years and years that it's been over there, it's got nothing but five-star ratings. That um, actually outsells Synthogen, if you can believe that. Anyway, after the FDA, I have a bad feeling after they exploit this study, it may be one of your last opportunities um, to try this compound. And, and it's a great compound. And to say nothing of the fact that it's incredibly safe. Yet, you know, they're going after that and Stevia and Kratom and all these other things that are just peanuts compared to what the real health problems that the FDA needs to address are. Well, the FDA can't address any health problems. The FDA is an organization uh, who poses as being the firewall between right. companies and citizens, but they're not. They're, they're the indoctrination company and the gateway company of, of, of uh, food products and pharmaceuticals uh, companies that they actually are supposed to provide oversight to, but actually are in cahoots with when you think about it. I mean, it, 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 the, the FDA, look, there are, there are good things that the FDA does. Don't get me wrong. And there's good people at the FDA and there's real scientists at the FDA. But as an organization, it really should have been gutted a long time ago and something should have been put in its place. And whatever was put in its place should have received 100% funding from the government and zero funding from industry because because think about this imagine how imagine how uh, the crack sales in your city would be affected if local police departments payroll came from crack dealers like the crack <laughs> dealers put money in a pool and that's how they paid the cops. Are the cops going to want to put themselves out of a job by shutting down all the crack deals? Yeah. Of course not. They, we should yeah, you, never, the FDA shouldn't be able to get fees for, you know, like, like every time a company submits a new uh, drug, they pay millions of dollars directly to the FDA. And people say, yeah, but the FDA doesn't approve everything. Oh, no, maybe they don't approve everything, but they approve a lot of things that are horrible. And when you're getting money from the industry that you're supposed to be providing oversight with, you can't help but become corrupt. You just can't help it. You know, even better, take a look at where the CEOs, CFOs, and other EIEIOs of (laughs) Big Pharma go when they retire. Notice where they go. They go to work for the FDA. (laughs) Yeah, it's a revolving door. Uh, we're, we're getting some no really we're getting some really great comments, and I can't put them up. 
I don't know why. What's wrong? Oh, here they come. Here they come. So here, Jordan Fran says, thank you for the insights into Eric uh, and his and his life, who he was and his life. And Robert Sadler just put up a great comment, and it won't allow me to put it up there. He said, great show, you guys. I'm uh, tuning in again from London, England. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry I can't put your... I don't understand what the problem is. Let me try something real quick because I want to get the uh, it, this. This interface has gone wacky ever since the whole COVID nineteen thing. Like it's just amazing yeah, a lot, to me. A lot more people on the internet. Yeah, and and so we're getting. I mean, I'm looking at our our connectivity, and it's like down in the yellow, and it's never down in the yellow, which means that the bandwidth between the uh, platform and and me at least is is not that great. But uh, thank you for for watching today, uh, Robert. And uh, next time, I hope I'll be able to put your comment up there. But yeah, the FDA has to go. The way it's done now, it has to go. It really does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's. But anyway, that that's it. That's it. So, so would you ever come out with a pure laxogenin product? N- um, knowing this information today, yeah. No. Why? Uh, you know, the, the they are. For some, for whatever reason, they are dead set against it, and they will, if anything, a successful product will just make them more rabid in terms of going after it. I don't think they're interested in products that help build muscle. As a matter of fact, if you look at uh, the Designer Anabolic Steroid Control Act of 2014, the great oh, other, other, otherwise known as why Joe Biden never became a pro baseball player. But go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but if you read that, the great sin is something that builds muscle. It, and it's written very, very craftily to encompass any compound. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to look like, walk like, talk like testosterone it just has to build muscle we can't have that can we god what a messed up world it really is bizarre how how people are afraid of muscle so you know when you look at government the government doesn't want you to be strong they don't want you to have guns they don't want you to be well informed you know, when you really look at what the government is is doing, and, the, and and it's very obvious to me what they're doing, they really want a docile population that goes to work, pays their taxes, and shuts the F up. Yep. And to them, muscle, guns, or anything that would allow you to assert yourself in this life, no good. No good. Yeah, that's, that's independence, and we can't have that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess they forgot about the Constitution. It's amazing. <laughs> All right, that's it for today, I guess. Uh, great show. Uh, thanks for all Thank you, you do, Coach Rob. And thanks to all of you who watch and those of you who have been participating on the live show today. I thank you for being here for the whole hour and a half is what it is right now. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Go to CoachRobRegish.com after the show, uh, and you will find things that will make you stronger, even though you don't have a gym to train at right now. Um, Guaranteed. Uh, so there you go. I will see everybody tomorrow. Thanks so much. Uh, Thank you. That's all I got. And nothing is working. Here we go. I can put that image up. That's the only thing. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Manana. All right. Manana. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.